0: You're listening to Leadership powered by Common Sense with your host Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug.
1: Well, hello again, everyone. This is Leadership powered by Common Sense, and I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. And uh, I got I do I, I don't know why—I feel compelled to share something that my guest and I—we have had a couple of false starts getting this thing going. I've uh, suffered some technology issues here in my studio and that's always not fun and it interrupts the production of these shows but I think we got all the bugs out I hope I hope we do and if I've learned anything doing these shows inevitably when we have some snafus getting on air it turns into a really great show so Kellen no pressure man Uh, I'll be the easiest guest you ever had. I'll bet you will. And my guest, his name is Kellen Flukeiger, and Kellen, welcome to the show, man. Doug, I am really grateful to be here, and I first want to honor you. A podcast
0: of any kind, video, audio, both is a labor of love, and I'm grateful, truly grateful for the work that you're doing to add good and encouragement to the world, and I'm honored to be part of your process.
1: I accept your accolade there, and it is a labor of love. I think you hit it right, but same is true for guests. I mean, taking time out of your busy day to share your insights and, and inspirations is uh, is a big deal as well. I I love your background. I mean, uh, uh, for those who will eventually watch this on video, Kellen has an amazing uh background he he looks like the phoenix rising from the ashes of sorts i don't know is there a story behind that
0: there is a story behind it and uh you know you mentioned labor of love for me but you know what you you and your guests are my labor of love so i only do one thing and my commitment this year is to help 50 million people discover who they really are take ownership and leadership of their lives and create from that infinite possibility yes my whole life has been the story of Phoenix. And I lived one kind of life for till 2007 and after and burned it completely down, started all over. So the Phoenix is part of my logo. And I have about 30 of these pictures with different versions of phoenixes or pheni, whatever they are rising from various forms of something or other. So yes, absolutely.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, you do have a premise that is the structure of all this, and I'm excited to to kind of get into that. You shared with me during our prep time that you've got this idea about three strands, three threads that make up a, a, a powerful and successful life. Let, let's get right into that. What are those three threads, or if I haven't set it right, set the stage for You've set
0: it, right. it perfect. So imagine, if you will, uh, you're at a, at a dock, and there's a big boat, not a little ski boat, but a big boat there, and, and not a tanker, but you know, a good-sized boat, and there's a rope that always ties that boat to those great big iron things that are maybe two feet or three feet long, and they're heavy, and and the boat is almost, or the rope is almost always nylon, and uh, they it's usually braided nylon. And there, are, I put my fingers like this to represent the three nylon braids. And so, imagine, if you will, a, a blue, a yellow, and a white thick strands woven together in a rope. And that rope is the powerful thing that gives. You know safety the boat stays there and all that kind of stuff and the reason i think about this is you each one of you have a unique voice not only your voice ah, but a voice that contributes makes your mark uh, drives your leadership style drives your personal life even if you don't know it and the three things that i'm talking about are woven together And I'll tell you exactly what they are in a minute, but I want you to think about one of them by themselves is nowhere near as strong. And often, and here's the interesting thing, we don't think about these three things. And so they unintentionally are woven together and create the experience of our life in unexpected and and sometimes undesired ways because we haven't figured out what they are and don't use them together. So here we go. The first one is your existing skills. Now, whoever you are right now, whatever your job is, you have some kind of work that you do. Maybe you've learned to be an architect. Maybe you've learned to be in retail. Maybe you uh, write books. Uh, Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you're an accountant. Whatever it is, you've learned a set of skills and you're probably engaged in continuing to develop those. Maybe you go to seminars or classes and that set of skills is your contribution. You get paid for that. So you sell that set of skills in the marketplace. That's fine. You might've gone to trade school or college or advanced degree and be a doctor or whatever. Doesn't matter. You have a set of skills you sell in the marketplace. That's one piece of this rope. Another piece of the rope is your natural gifts. What I mean by that is some people just naturally listen better. Some people are more empathetic. Some people are more, notice more things. Some people read between the lines well. Some people are really good with intuition. Some people are gifted naturally in art or music or other things that we traditionally think of when we think of gifts. You have them. You may or may not have spent any time figuring out what your natural gifts are. You certainly spent a lot of time developing your skills that you're selling in the marketplace. But your natural gifts come easy to you and we often discount those and we think yeah whatever everybody can do this or it's not that big a deal. And that's a huge mistake to discount those because they're just as important in the rope as the skills you've spent years and perhaps even a decade or more learning. So some people take those learn what those natural skills are and they're related to the skills they develop. Okay, and that sometimes is already happening but lots of times it isn't. And you know how I know? Because of how many people there are that hate their jobs. Like you went and learned a skill because you thought it paid well or because somebody pushed you into it or it seemed interesting at the time, but it doesn't really relate to the things you're naturally good at and like to do. And so people end up in a year, two, 10, and sometimes a whole lifetime working for the weekend uh, in jobs they hate or barely tolerate. So that's just evidence that we mostly don't do that, marry those two. So that's two of the strands. The third one is another one that we're not really conscious of, but has a massive and profound effect. It is your life experience. Now, what I mean by that is, uh, let's say two guys go to law school or two gals go to law school. It doesn't matter. Somebody, two people go to law school and one of them comes out. Uh, to be an aggressive, I did not want to go into litigation and an aggressive litigator. Another person takes nearly all the same classes and the thought of litigation or being in that sort of confrontational environment is horrifying. So they'd rather do business and write contracts and do research and sit in the back room. That almost always has to do with their life experience. Something about the life experience of the first person made them feel, you know, this aggressive, need to get ahead, to push type A, you know, you, you do that by, the, and another person's like conflict avoidant, they, they love the law, but they want to do this over here. So same, same people going to the same classes, but their life experience shaped them in completely different ways. That third piece, your life experience, is not only the third strand of the rope, but it's sort of the basket in which these other two unfold. Because your willingness, what you're willing to study and develop as a skill, changes because of your life experience. So, for example, some people have a life experience where they want to develop skill as a speaker or a presenter. Other people have a life experience where, yeah, no, public speaking right up there next to death. In some surveys, it's above yeah. death. There's yeah. fears, right? Right. And, and so that is life experience. And so life experience is a third strand of the rope and basket. And it's the basket. So the premise here is the combination of your existing skills, which is one we mostly focus on to our detriment, your natural gifts and your life experience forms your unique voice in the world and finding and using, developing and creating with that voice lets you make the biggest impact, make the most money and have the most fun more than any other avenue you could pursue is when you've woven that rope intentionally and realize and work with all those parts. So that's the premise.
1: Well, well, as you were describing that, I began a a journey down my own uh, memory lane a bit. As many of my listeners know, I had an opportunity back in 2008, 2010, uh, during the Great Recession, To form and and run a nonprofit that was helping job seekers. So during the big crash of 08, you know, unemployment went up in double digits, 15, 18, 20% in some markets, unemployment rates, historical highs for most of our lifetimes. And this organization i created and with the help of a lot of really talented people we came together and we started coaching people to make a successful career change and real early on in that experience for me i realized i actually went into it with the idea i was going to focus on that first strand you talk about you know i was i was kind of focused on the more technical experiential, uh, what have they been trained to do and what kind of jobs, and let's shape that and repackage that. But what I quickly learned was that second strand was so important, that personal sense of purpose and passion. You know, where, where can you take this stuff? And we came up with some methodologies to help people reconnect with that. And you, you, you alluded to it in your comment there. You know, a lot of people got into career paths that were 5, 10, 15, 20 years long and you ask them the truth about it and they hated it. They didn't enjoy what they were doing. It was a job, they got a paycheck, it sent their kids to school, whatever, but truth be told, if they could wave a wand and do anything different, they would. And that's what we started turning our energy toward is helping people redefine. And, and the logic was really simple. It's, hey, you were forced out of that job, that that career path, for whatever reason. We're not going to judge. You know, you, you've got a perfect opportunity to redefine what and where you want to go. And we had people that were making 180-degree shifts in their – direction. We had people that abandoned the high technical for customer service. And, you know, the interesting phenomenon that, that started also to emerge when, with the people doing this as they got focused and essentially, to your point, kind of I didn't and I wish I had known the term then, but when they really started thinking about their three strands and really elevating all of that into a substantive message, they could go to interviews and shine i mean they 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 were just powerful forces that potential employers could not deny and they were getting sw- swept up on this spot and it that that power of reconnecting with all of those elements not just the technical training and whatever uh, technical expertise you might have brought to the table it was a it was a really life-changing opportunity for many, many people. We had actually about four thousand forty five hundred came through the program.
0: That's a fabulous thing. And you know, it's funny, I just interviewed for my podcast this morning, before this, an hour ago, a guy who was a pharmacist and by trade went to long school six years and da-da-da. And then worked in it for a number of years and then had the same Nothing wrong with that job, but it didn't do the stuff that we're talking about. And so five years ago, he or seven years ago, I think he left and started on a spiritual journey, went somewhere out of the country, went to Thailand and then Bali. And then now he's back and he's like, "Okay, I'm building something that is connected to those things. So there is a there is a huge noise moving through society at the unseen level, sort of waking people up and this periodic upheaval, the crash of 08, the pandemic, you know, who knows what's going to come in 2032, 12 years after the pandemic, that's that's causing people to question the sort of poison pills or drugs, not really drugs, but sort of anesthetizing influence that causes people to sort of pigeonhole themselves and not Realize who they really can be in leading, leading their own lives, leading their families, whatever that looks like, or their own business, or in a corporate setting. I mean, all this can unfold in not only stuff you get paid for, but how you show up in the community, how you show up in your personal life, how you show up in your church, or whatever else you belong to.
1: Well, the interesting thing is I started talking to people about their the life journey coming together in three large phases or stages and i called it wage page and sage (laughs) and and what i meant by that was if you think about it and for all these thousands of people i met on that career journey the truth was at some point in their early life they went to school they got a job and they were chasing the wage they they were trying to, you know, you know air quote, grow up and get a job and start their future as an adult. The career path they might have chosen might have been heavily influenced by a parent. You know, dad was a lawyer, I got to go to law school and, and hate it. Uh, or dad was a scientist or a doctor and got to do that and hate that, you know, and whatever. But nonetheless, They achieve this some connection and they get onto a career treadmill with earning the wage they need. And now they start developing this life, quote, quote, again. But then it's time to turn the page. And what I mean by that is the page turn usually comes with ideas like getting married, having a family, buying a house, all those traditional life events that we fool ourselves in saying you know that's what functional adults are supposed to do and so they they're into the page turning elements of life and finally at some point you get to that part of the journey that you become more sage in understanding all of that stuff and you you might even question let's As you alluded to, you you know, let's blow the whole thing up and let's uh, let's redefine everything, and and get a better alignment with where we're going and what our real sense of purpose and value might be.
0: Absolutely, and that's a, a good way to describe it. And we do mark those markers off one at a time until we stop. And you know, some people jump off a cliff and build a parachute on the way down, sort of an abrupt transition. And some people, when when they come, they're looking for that thing, you know, it's like, okay, what would you like to do? Let's build a ramp, you know, some kind of a transition. But here's the message. The message is, I don't care where you are in your career, beginning, middle, end, if it doesn't light you up, you, you, you only get one life and you can waste a year or 10 or 20 or 30, trying to figure that out or you can start experimenting right now and you would be surprised it's easier today because of the internet and because of the global reach of things to create a living meaning feed mouths yours and whoever you have hanging on you. It's easier to do that today than it's ever been. And it's easier to do it in interesting and unconventional ways. Than it's ever been this whole pandemic has taught us that suddenly that "ooh, you can't work from home because you'll screw off idea that was so closely held in you know corporate world is now evaporated it quit building big buildings in big cities why because they're not going to fill them anymore you know people are more productive or can be more productive and whether they are or not depends on the person not the setting right, right. and so that's all changed and you can do whatever you want now you really can
1: is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to dougthorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to dougthorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's dougthorpe.com. Well, I, 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 and and then I want to move on to the idea, I mean, the whole focus of this show is to talk about leadership and, and making a difference where you are and how you show up individually as leaders. And there were a couple of things, as you were describing the three strands that came to my mind, and I, I deal with this with clients often, and that is uh, when we talk about leadership, there's an element, it's Possibly more academic than it is anything else, but people ask the question: "Are leaders born or bred you know can do you have to be born a leader to be successful at it, or can you learn how to do it and it in in my mind, it goes to your middle thread the the idea of let's start with a talent or a, a kind of a gift or a natural bent that you might have and When people ask me that question, are leaders born or bred, I I say, well, thankfully and selfishly, it's both. (laughs) Love it. I I wouldn't have a job if, if it wasn't true for both. And what I mean by that is I undeniably have had clients show up that are natural gifted leaders. And you know how I know it? You alluded to it in your description. When we start talking about principles of leadership and what it means to show up as a leader, they take all of that information and they go, well, duh, of course that's what it is. Is that special? I don't see that, is that special? And I have to tell them absolutely that's special, <laughs> and, and for you to say it comes natural to you, congratulations, good for you.
0: I, I love it. So it is both, and just like music or art or anything else, some people have a better tendency to listen. Some people reserve judgment. Some people keep their powder dry and don't just be, you know, go off noisily, which tends not to, you know, draw people to follow you. And so you have people that are born with some of those natural gifts that are evident in in leaders. And as leadership has changed from command and control to collaborative to visionary leadership, you know, those kinds of things, those gifts... Uh, will play different roles, a very organized, structured, concrete, sequential person may have functioned really well as a natural leader in the command and control environment. But as you go to collaboration, someone who was naturally gifted at listening, gathering opinions and, and you know, sort of seeking consensus might have done better. If you move to the age of visionary leadership, which is more where we are now, you know, kind of collaborative plus visionary. You know someone that can articulate and paint a powerful vision and enroll people is is a natural skill that you can build on. But having said all of that, because we can understand what motivates people and how they like to be invited and enrolled in things that they're doing, you absolutely can learn the skills to become a leader and whether or not you're going to have them down pat like someone who had that natural gift doesn't even matter. You can take intentional concrete steps, identify things that you choose to change and how you show up in the world, because the most important thing isn't what you know how to do. It's who you're choosing to be your attitude and actions and thoughts about other people and the work you have and the value of each person. And all of that is far more important than any particular skill you have. So there are natural proclivities. Absolutely. You can develop those. And you can learn them if you don't have them. So
1: no excuses. Well, and the those that are not naturally born, some of it is shaped and informed by your third strand, that life experience thing. I, I had a client call this morning, a gentleman I'm working with. We're kind of early on in the coaching process. And one of my exercises I run clients through in the early going is this idea of, let's get in touch with the leader you think you want to be. And so I kind of walk them through some exercises and we start coming up with attributes and we we talk about those and then i always ask the question where do you think that come came from where, where why do you think those things are valuable to you and why do you resonate with those things and inevitably the answer is i've watched others i've worked for others i've i've begun weaving this quilt of experience that says this thing is good and that thing is bad you know i don't want to behave like that i I don't ever want to be a leader that does that but i do want to do this and then they they start taking the the best of things and they let the bad experiences shape and inform as well and they put it all together in this package definition of the leader they think they want to be, and then that sets the stage for the rest of the work we do in in fleshing that out and helping make it happen.
0: I love it, and you've hit on something that's really important. Uh, However you characterize these three elements, one of the most important things is awareness. So, listing, describing, acknowledging, not downplaying, your exercise of taken people through naming those things, name them, describe them. What does that show up like? What does that look like? You know, causing people to look at it and maybe they're there or they're not, or they're halfway, or they don't yet identify with whatever, but the act of acknowledging and naming your experience, your gifts and your life experience, how that's affected you and what you would call it gives you a facility to both interact with your program and, and yourself as you do things and analyze your success and all the rest. So that naming process is important.
1: Well, I, 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 I want to stay on this thought process, but I want to shift gears a little bit to speak to the entrepreneurial off, uh, audience that's out there, the group that has already taken the leap Either they did it from an early age or they worked corporate for a while, got tired and decided they wanted to do their own thing. So they've started a business and they run out there. The the thing that comes to my mind that I see happen often is people inevitably launch those businesses. And it's some idea of either a talent or a skill they've already got. Um I mean, literally, like maybe they're car mechanics or body repair guys or they're creative and they want a studio or or they like retail and they start a a shop, uh, any of those kinds of things. But my point is what I see people doing is essentially doubling down on that first thread. You know, what's my talent, skill and ability I think of some technology guys I know that started a business. they're good coders they're good you know technicians, but you start poking around on those that second and third strand, you know what do you think your natural gift is or let's let's fold your life experiences into developing this business, and they give you one of these oh no no time out we're not going there we're not going to talk about that. I just need to code more I need to I need to do more and what I see is that the owner founder that gets locked in on that extreme focus on the technical delivery of whatever it is they think their business is doing, they don't allow themselves Mm -hmm. as a leader to grow and expand as the business grows and it creates an artificial but very real cap on where the business can go. So
0: here's what I would say to that person. First of all, I say, I love you. I understand you. And it is sometimes painful to look under that rock or embarrassing or complicated. And you're free. You're absolutely free to live capped, as was just described, to live with that cap of your ability to deliver because you're focused on the single strand. So there's no one that says you have to do it different. You're free to do that. What I can promise you, though, is you're limited in your ability to make an impact in the world and your ability to have fun, your ability also to make money. So when I paint these three things and I say you can have more fun, have a bigger impact, meaning affect, bless, serve, help, whatever language you want to use, more people, and make more money, fun, impact, and money, if you're willing to open the rock turn over the rock and dig into your natural gifts and stop pretending you don't have intuition and inspiration. Stop pretending you don't acknowledge some larger force that guides whatever you want to call it. Stop disconnecting yourself from that and instead use it because your willingness to do that work, however quirky or uncomfortable it might feel to start with, that is your leverage point. Because anybody, if you just focus on your skill, there's going to be somebody who can undercut or overperform you, period, at some point. Think of the invent, and not the invention, but the rollout of AI right now, or chat GPT, or the internet expanding all over the place, or Zoom. Zoom was nothing before the pandemic. I was using it, and I knew it and loved it. When the pandemic hit, Zoom exploded. Why? Because we needed to do this. So, so, and now there's competitors and everything else. So you're missing the boat. You're choosing to play small. So I would agree with you 100%. Okay, you're free to do that, but why?
1: Right, right. That That's a great angle on it, and that's exactly right. And I, I tell the story, and if he's listening, you know <laughs> who you are, and we'll, we've we talked about it. I, I started working with a guy a couple of years ago, and he had a partner in his business, and I was sitting with him. I, I, I really like to kind of dig into these elements that you're talking about. And I asked the guy, so what's your real vision of your business here? You've been doing it a while. It, it's gone through a transition. You lost a partner. You've added a partner and, and, and all that was friendly, by the way. But, you know, so now you got basically a clean slate. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And you know what his answer was? He said, I don't want to lose money. I said, what? <laughs> uh, a, I've never heard that. Uh, not that way, not that direct. And but seriously, OK, that's a given. That's table stakes you really don't want to create a business is guaranteed to lose money. But what else? What, you know, what part of the world do you want to conquer and influence? And goes, no, I'm I'm not interested. I just I just want to do what I do and I just want to be sure I'm not losing money. And I said, man, that is the smallest ball game I've ever heard anybody describe to me. I couldn't agree more. And, you know,
0: I, don't. I used to spend a lot of time trying to convince people to do otherwise. And you know what? Let them move further down that life experience rope and they'll figure that out pretty quick. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, playing the game of not losing money is not a very satisfying game. It's a game based on fear. It's a game based on scarcity. It's a game based on assuming that bad things are going to happen and you're just trying to get prepared so they don't kill you. It's not very fulfilling and it's not very fun. It's like walking to the top of the neighborhood hill instead of climbing a mountain. It's five miles away. So you have a better view. You're free to do that. But again, I would ask, why would you? Uh, I, I'm pretty bold. I say, why would you settle for mediocrity? That's what I to tell people. I'm, I work with people who are done with an addiction to mediocrity or what's right. easy and obvious. Right. And, right. and I'm sure that's what you told him. So I couldn't agree more. Open your heart, open your eyes, shoot for the stars or the moon or whatever celestial body turns you on. Right, right, right,
1: right. Well, Kellen, so as clients may come to you or as you get invited to talk to teams and groups, uh, where do you start with all this stuff with them? It depends.
0: So I get a sense from the audience or from the leader, why I'm there, who I'm talking to, what is the audience, like I did with you. I said, okay, who's your audience and what do they want? Uh, Where I start is possibility. Uh, One question is, do you believe at this moment you are living at your full potential? Is your business cranking on all cylinders? Is it doing everything that you want it to do or that you think it can do? And I never had someone say yes, I have had someone say, well, you know, it's pretty good. And then the question is, are you satisfied with pretty good? Because if you're completely satisfied with where you're at, your business, your personal life, your health, your relationship, your cash, if you're completely satisfied, then you're completely satisfied and you're not feeling a yearning. 99% of people I talk to, whether they first admit it or not, are feeling a yearning. So I want to wake people up to their possibility first. Okay, you're not losing money. Is that all you ever want to do? Yes, then we don't have anything further to talk about. When you get to the moment in your life where you say, you know what, I really, it's, it's doing okay, but you know, I'd really like, that's the conversation I want to have. You know what? No, I don't know. Tell me, describe it in detail, in living color. What does it look like? When did, you, when did it happen? What's it doing? Who's it serving? Why does that turn you on? What can you do when you have that? So I wake up possibility first. And then we explore, because I, there's always a road from here to there, wherever you are. If you're here, okay, you're here. You want to go there? There's always a road. The question is just how long it takes and the trajectory. You know, is, is you want to do it in 30 days? You want to do it in three years? Like, where do you want to go? Let's wake up to the possibility. The second thing I like to do, depending on the size of the group, is emphasize their individual worth and contribution. Because so often you and I in our business as coaches, we hear the feeling, whether that's said this way or not, I don't matter that much. I'm not really worth that much. It's not that big of a deal. And who am I to dream at whatever the size is? So wake up to possibility and then light the fire of individual worth, the importance of that. And the third thing is understand that your ability to magnify that individual worth and achieve that possibility depends not on a checklist of things to do, but it depends on firm choices about who you're going to be. So for example, in an organization as a leader, are you going to be honest every time you open your mouth? You're only going to speak truth. Is that who you are? Yes or no. Like make those declarations and maybe you need to say less. Maybe you need to not answer. Maybe you need to do stuff so that is true, but you need to make some declarations about who you are. And so I try to paint the necessity of the personal choice that we make in life and in business. Who are you going to be? Who are you? So that would be where I start possibility,
1: individual worth, and then who are you being? Yeah. I I use a very similar approach slightly different terminology I ask the question you know how do you want to show up for your team yeah. you know and what what does that mean and and then we start unpacking and working on all right how are you going to get there the as you said the the road is available it's just how you what steps are you going to take along the way You know, I I really like that. And part of what I was thinking about is you were describing some of that when you do think of company level and and let's stay with the slightly smaller organizations, privately held, you know, maybe, I don't know, 20, 50 employees, something like that. The the owner that's sitting there going, I want all this for my team, Mike this is the kind of company I want to have. I I want people to, to feel self-actualized and operating at their maximum potential. The, the thing I find difficult is most founders that are even thinking like that. It's great, by the way, it's wonderful if you are already there because you're in a, a small class of people <laughs> if you're already there. The next question, how do I really do that for my team? Because maybe I'm not the coach I need to be. Maybe I'm not the cheerleader I need to be. Maybe I don't know how to communicate these ideas, but I firmly believe in them. So that's where some folks have that struggle. Well, what I say to people is get some help. Like the idea that you're
0: great at this this business idea and that identifying a market and providing a product or service for a market segment is wonderful. That's a completely different skill set than the ability to motivate. I mean, I call coaching the people encouragement business. And it's not about just a bunch of rah-rah. It's about specific activities. Like, have you surveyed your people individually? Do you have one-on-ones with them? If you have less than 20 or 30 people, you can do that once a quarter. Like, have you sat down and do you understand where they do and don't feel uh, in this way? Or have you created an atmosphere of honesty? So if you ask a question, they'll tell you. I mean, you know, all that kind of stuff is part of that thing. And if you find that it's not there or you don't know how to do it, well, then get some help and make it public in your company that you're getting some help. We're doing this thing because I've heard this and this and we're trying to figure out how to do it. So I I want your suggestions. How, How do we do this? What do we do? Because when people have the sense the sense, not the words, but they have the sense that you're in it for them, that you actually care about their satisfaction and their growth instead of just about the product services and the bottom line, you're going to get loyalty because they don't get that feeling in very many places. So having a place to be heard, to be cared about, you're going to create loyalty and you're going to create people that will give extra for you because they want what you're offering.
1: Yeah. I had an experience recently. I was invited to come in and do a couple of leadership workshops for a, a small privately held company. Actually, the the owners the there were four of them in the owners suite, so to speak, and they had four different businesses actually, and different combinations of who owned what shares of which company and all that. You know, it was one of those interesting dynamics. But um, bottom line, very successful guys in pretty much everything they touched. You know, and uh, one of the interesting takeaways i got from it was they had developed a culture of intense massive deep loyalty and you pull their staff and they just don't have turnover people are there five seven nine years all of them you know you talk to the group how long you've been here well you know five years seven years nine years i think out of a group of 40 people i worked with two people had just joined the company in the last year and that was it everybody else was had already been there a long time and i started poking around uh, because it made me very curious all right so what have you done to create this kind of loyalty and the real quick answer to it was just simply they cared they Mm -hmm. found ways to demonstrate that they genuinely cared and stories started coming out about this lady was having a baby and she was having some medical challenges with the pregnancy. And so open-ended time off, you know, go go fix it, go take care of it. Priority one, you know, have that baby and and don't worry about the job. It'll be here when you come back, you know, that kind of thing. Well, you know, that, that might have been a cost for 90 days, but man, the payoff it was, you know, now they've got this eight-year dedicated employee that is still paying back the the time she took off. I mean but it's by her choice. It's not that you know she's been asked to do it that way. So yep. it's uh, it's incredible the the combinations of ways that owners can do that sort of thing.
0: I was just going to say when when uh, people come and ask me, especially coaches, I have a number of clients that are coaches trying to learn to coach build a coaching practice. And they want secrets about how to go find and enroll clients. And what I tell them first is, well, the first thing you need to do is exercise your caring muscle. Because when people feel like they care, then they have more interest in what else you have to say. So it's just what you're saying. People don't have, by and large, a place to go to work and sell those developed skills, that first strand, unless they've already mixed them. They don't have a place to go do that where they feel important, cared about. You know, They don't have that and consequently have high turnover, dissatisfaction and everything else. People will put up with some unpleasant duties on a job if they feel valued and cared about. Yeah. Because I get all this stuff, I have this 10 ton pile of cool enough and 100 pounds of stuff that's not fun, whatever it is. It's not even an issue.
1: Right, right. No, I agree. Well, I'll tell you what, Kellen, uh, this has been great. I I really believe this is a a great message for owners and leaders out there to think about. Uh, Tell people the best way to get a hold of you if they're looking to learn more.
0: Well, I have a weird name, Kellen Flukiger. So I can't hide. I'm on all socials. My website is my name. Nope. You know what? I didn't have to pay. I paid two bucks for that website. I mean, who else (laughs) wanted kellenflukiger.com, right? So I have that uh, active on socials. You can go to my website and opt-in email list if you want. I'm running a challenge, Ultimate Life Challenge. The URL's on the screen, which is a a five-day thing starting July 17th. I run them every month to learn about that three strand thing and to figure it out for yourself, et cetera. So happy to talk to people. My commitment this year, my year started October 14th, is to help 50 million people to discover and to choose to serve with that, their most powerful voice. And that also means create business and blah, blah, blah. So I'm not hard to find and I'd love to talk to anyone that's interested.
1: That's awesome. Well, folks, as always, we're going to have every bit of that information in the show notes, down in the comments. If you're watching the video here, please uh, please do take Kellen up on his gracious offer to learn more about his um, three strand belief in in maximizing your life potential and and your own joy, experience, wealth, and success. Kellen, one last time, thank you, man, for sitting in. This is this is really good stuff. Really appreciate you. I am just delighted, honored to be here. Grateful for the good you're adding to the world
0: and wish everything all the best for those that are watching and for you personally.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. And with that, folks, we're going to sign off, say goodbye. Wish you a great day. Go out there and make a big difference. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug
0: Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, Visit DougThorpe.com.